Hello and welcome to the Music Arc on the Arc of E Network. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. (laughs) And we're the Blanchard Brothers. Thank you listeners for joining us on our debut episode. It's a brand new podcast uh, from the Arc of E Network. Hello baby! Yes, uh, (laughs) so Gavin's debating adopting a whole new personality for this one. Um, If you want to listen to a more reserved version, you can go to our Carpenter Revisited Uh, show where we tackle the work of Mr. John Carpenter and we also have a movie podcast called The Movie Arc which we're both on pretty regularly. He's my co-host for Carpenter and he's a regular guest on The Movie Arc. Yes. That's right Noah. I'm just a regular guest on The Movie Arc. But you know what's crazy is that this is all your brainchild baby and I dig it. I'm just going to kind of pop back in with that every now and then so it's just when I think of something because I I really can't keep a character for this entire (laughs) list we're going to be that would be presenting to each other so we thought uh in honor of our debut episode for this new series that we would talk about our favorite debut albums so we've got our individual top 10 list in front of us uh mine is not completely filled out spoiler alert so that'll happen in the room but gavin do you want to start us off we're talking and you can get into like how you came up with your list as well what you maybe you know negated we can get an honorable mentions as well of course yeah but. we can do that um i was trying to think of stuff that is just like a a solid out of the gate like if you've ever watched uh running down a dream uh the tom petty documentary it's really long he talks about how mm-hmm. like you could almost call like the first album and the one after that like greatest hits because there were just so many radio singles at the time now granted it's in the 70s so you only have radio hits. There's not a ton right. of playback, but I I picked a few that were you know kind of runaway hits in the beginning. Some that I feel personally don't get back to that as much, mm-hmm. and it, it it is to me one of their their best efforts. There may be and there's someone here that's like it's not my favorite because like right. my favorite song isn't on it or the my the mood in which I heard it and like how I heard it and came to it isn't the best. Right. But I'll do my best to try and pull like my favorites. From these bands, like, you know, as I'm talking about them. But if you mention something down the road, I may come back to, oh, yeah, no, it's this or something. I'm, I'm really interested to see what you have compared to what I have because I feel like... Yes, I think this will naturally, you know, reveal our different tastes. And that's part of why I wanted it to be the two of us for the start. Because I feel like we have pretty different tastes overall. But I guess the list will naturally reveal that. Why don't you start us off with your number 10? Okay, my number 10 is from 2004. Okay. Can you you guess what it is? Off of the date alone, no. You're okay. gonna have to give some other bit of information. To me, it's and maybe little... we shouldn't do this for every single no, okay. one of these because yeah, it's right. gonna turn into a two-hour cast. Well, I just, I mean, it's if you look on the bright side of things, it's a really great album from these guys. Okay. Uh, also on my list as well. So maybe we can jump in and talk about Hot Fuss. Yes. From the Killers. Yes. From 2004. This was my number eight. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. Right off the to... bat, we've got one on each other's list. And yeah. I don't, almost I, never I, happens. I don't know that we'll have too much other Probably overlap. Not. Now, for me, with a lot of the bands that I came across, it was like, okay, I may love that debut, but are there later ones that I feel like kind of trumpet or multiples that trumpet where it doesn't uh, 
hold up as much stack up yeah yeah but this is one that i feel like even though i would say that sam's town their follow-up is my favorite and arguably yeah. their best album i do really love this one and it has a vastly different feel from the second record so i feel like it does kind of stand alone as it put them out in the world and there was tons of singles off of this they had at least like five or six videos, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so the, all these they, things that I've done, Mr. Brightside, somebody told me. Yes. Uh, yeah, my three that I shouted out, all these things that I've done, uh, which was a pretty popular single. Obviously, Mr. Brightside is the main thing that comes from this album that everybody pretty much knows. But that one, specifically because of its use in Southland Tales, yes. uh, awesome sequence. Andy, You're a Star, which comes right after it, track six. And uh, Believe Me, Natalie would be my other... Uh, and that's number nine. I don't know if I was into them all the way. I think... I think you had this album first and I remember hearing the singles and then I either took it from your CD. I really remember it being in your BMW. They were, I, in my head, I remember them as being a fairly like zeitgeisty band because this was right around that kind of like... Them, Maroon 5, Well, it was like a others. British invasion, like redo almost, but by American where you had like... It was all like 60s throwbacks, like the hives, the strokes like managed yeah. to come out of that and everything. But... You had a handful of those bands that seemed like they were kind of aping that aesthetic. The White Stripes. But no, I wouldn't lump them in with that at all. But no, I thought anyway. you were talking about the the bands. No, but there were several the the bands in that subgenre. But, but I feel like the, they the. maybe maybe initially got kind of lumped in with that, but I remember it being right around the rise of that kind of like, okay, it's a little more like throwback rock and roll, but definitely some like post-punk influences. You can definitely hear like shades of Joy Division and New Order yeah. in there which they definitely explore a little bit more, but it's it's a setup in a certain way for their sound, but they go kind of a completely different direction with more of an Americana, uh, Springsteen-influenced second album, which yeah. I really, really dig. And I'll also shout out uh, Brandon Flowers, the lead singer himself, who is basically the main reason that I love this band, because I just love his vocals. His solo debut is pretty awesome, but his uh, second solo record is amazing. And I'm really amped to see... What the Killers have on this next album, which should drop uh, before the year is over, but they've already released two singles, uh, The Man and what was the other? Uh, Run for Cover is the most recent one, if you haven't listened to that. So I'm very excited for them to kind of like come back because I feel like he's bringing a little bit of what he branched into on that second solo record back into the full band format. And I don't know about you, but was it Battleborn was the last one? Yeah, that was that was, it had Runaways in um, my favorite favorite. I feel like it should retroactively be put in every '80s movie. But give me a shot at the night. That it is a feels really solid like one. every it should be in every Karate Kid movie. Uh -huh. It should be in the next <laughs> season of Stranger Things. It is the perfect building up something. Gonna do a montage, getting better every time, and then I'm gonna go after whatever I'm getting. Even mm -hmm. if you're just like studying for your accounting degree, you know. It's just, it, it works as like one of these just, you know, give me a shot at the night. Like Absolutely. Just, but it's perfect. That's a that terrible. Is their, their fourth album. Yep. And I'm not crazy about, uh, is it Day and Age? It mm -hmm. has like a handful off of it that I like. Is, is Spaceman on that? Yeah, Spaceman. Yeah, I like that. Spaceman. And me Human. Too. Those are good. Yep. Those two um, are good. 
And then they have Sawdust, the kind of B-sides rarity record in there, oh, which dude. I really enjoy as well. That Shadow Play but cover. Since we're since we're trying to focus on debuts, again, we'll sum up by saying very strong entry. I feel like they are kind of a polarizing band. They are kind of one of those love it or hate it bands, and I hear a lot of people talk shit about them, but I, I absolutely love them, and I love his solo work as well. Again, one of the most distinct pop vocalist working today as far as i'm concerned my number 10 is kind of a recent discovery for me uh as of about a year ago this time and i think i remember shouting it out to you but it's from 2012 and it's called channel orange by frank ocean i've been thinking about you Ooh, no 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 is this on your list anyway you. um I only have like one hip hop act or one what you would consider hip hop on my gotcha. my list. Um, yeah, a lot. I should point out a lot of my hip hop favorites that I looked back to. I was like, ah, I really like like later output better from the majority of who I looked at. So. Yeah, because I wanted to do Ice Cube's first solo album, but then I was like, well, that to me it's not the best. Predator is the best. But it's got a good mm-hmm. day, and then it's got um, is it check yourself, and then no Vaseline. Although uh, maybe they aren't all in the same one, I, I don't really know. Yeah. But the first one, America Most, I was like, okay, that's the first one after NWA, but it doesn't have to me what I consider his best stuff. So I, yeah, I mean, obviously NWA's first is great. It's uh-huh. a classic. It sets so many standards of what you can do for a debut album. But it's it, it was honorable mention on my list because I only have one technical. I guess you I don't even know if you call him hip hop, but he's coming up soon, so we can talk about it. But he's somebody I kind of came to late in the game, so to speak. I've been hearing his name circulating around a lot for the last few years, but it was via, I think we've talked about this on one of our episodes of the movie arc where we took a break and talked about podcasts, but the Cracked podcast, uh, Jack O'Brien, the host, former host, used to have awesome Greatest playlists and, all like, time. Yes, and awesome like intro and outro music, and he would talk you through it, and like he had playlists that he would put up on oh, Spotify God, yeah. as well. They played what is still my favorite Frank Ocean song, Pyramids, yeah. which is from Channel Orange, at the closer of one of the Cracked episodes. And like, you know, I would say like maybe like nine out of ten times, I I usually turn stuff off before it like totally rides out because they usually play the full song. But this was one of those where I was literally sitting there like, holy shit. Good. That's how I found out about like, Chance the Rapper because yeah. he played uh, Summer Friends, and I was like, "What is this? Mm-hmm. Love it!" That and um, oh, there's there's countless others. It doesn't whatever they cracked or Earwolf wants money wise, pay it so you can have access to all the old cracked episodes if if they aren't available for free, and just listen to the beginning and the ends of each one to find some great music. Yeah. And I think he's actually with the new podcast he's going to be coming out with. He's still going to have like an active Spotify playlist and have his own kind of like mixes of new stuff he's listening to mm-hmm. at some point. Because I went and signed up for his little newsletter oh, telling nice. you what he's going to be doing next. So, so I know you Jack. enjoy this one as well. But yeah, he was just kind of a revelation for me. I love the way he fuses rap, R&B, and hip-hop, which I do think are three very distinct things. Oh, yeah. But the way he melds them all together, and <clears throat> it's worth pointing out... He may be somebody who eventually I look back at in like, you know, 10 years or so. And I'm like, 
oh, that's nothing compared to like the stuff he's done because Blonde, his second record, which just came out last year, is incredible start to finish. And I would argue is maybe a stronger album as a whole, but you see a huge wide range of influences on Channel Orange. He's got incredible vocal range. And just it's it's an awesome album, start to finish. So we're gonna but put that on the Pyram- sophomore album list. Uh, It'll show up there. Oh, Blonde will be on my sophomores yeah. for sure at this point, anyways. Uh, but Pyramids, my favorite. Lost, which was a huge single off of it, and Pink Matter, which has uh, Andre Three Thousand on there as well. Yes. So those would be the ones I'd shout out. That's Channel Orange from Frank Ocean. That's my number ten. All right, keep going with the theme. My number nine is Two Thousand Nine's Kid Cudi, the man in the. The Man on the Moon, The End of the Day. I think Day and Night is probably the biggest single people know because it's on the radio all the time, but my favorite from it, again, is Pursuit of Happiness. I don't think this is his best album. Okay. There are two incredible albums that follow. I have not listened to the most recent one, but it seems like I am the only one in my group of friends and people today that really still like dig what Kid Cudi's doing. And, you know, I... I remember when it first came out, I didn't buy it. I heard the singles. I was like, this is, this is neat. And I mean, yeah, you can argue Pursuit of Happiness because it's been used more, but that's the first time I ever heard MGMT. But it's just something about that, just the way it's constructed from start to finish, the mood of it all, how certain songs hit at certain times. They just, it it's kind of sets the stage of what you'll see in the next two. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like you get a glimpse of like, okay, there's something here with this kid. And he, you know... Just is going on and on about it. I I never really I don't know. I guess he's Cleveland is where he talks about. I don't know. I don't. I haven't gotten much into him and his background other than the whole night terrors thing. But I feel like he was just a different voice from a different place I'd never heard before. You always have in rap or hip hop. You have different. It's like I feel like rap and hip hop and stuff. They're like the way old school wrestling used to be. You have like different uh-huh. territories. You have the South. You have like. You know, southern rappers, you've got um nor you know, the northeast as in like, you know, New York, you got LA, um, Chicago, Atlanta. Um, I don't really know anything big with rap coming out of Texas or the Southwest. And of course the infamous East Coast, West Coast. But I just feel like I'd never heard anything from someone coming from where Kid Cudi was coming from. And it's just so infectious. And some of the lines you just gotta like sit back and you're just they're vivid in what they say to you. I, I don't I don't usually throw up like poetry when it comes to music a lot, but it definitely feels like I mean, he could probably write a book of poetry and it would just be a fucking a, a bestseller, mm-hmm. just with the imagery he invokes in the lyrics and stuff. But yeah, 2009's Man on the Moon, End of the Day, first album from Kid Cudi, and that's my number nine. I got 99 problems and they all bitches wish I was digging man Carefree living, but I'm not Sean or Martin Louis. I'm the Cleveland nigga rolling with the Brooklyn boy. You know how I be when you start living large. I control my own life. Charles was never in charge. No sitcom can teach Scott about the drama or even explain the troubles that haunted my mom. On Christmas time, my mom Christmas grind. Got me most of what I wanted. How'd you do it, mom? Huh? She caught the toys. I would play with in my room by myself while he by himself. He got two older brothers, one hood, one good. Independent, no, the sister kept me flying when she could. But they all didn't see the little bit of sadness in me. Scotty, I've got some issues that nobody can see. And all of these emotions are pouring out of me. I bring them to the life in you. 
my number nine is from one of my all-time favorite bands who unfortunately are not a band anymore as of last year but it's from 2007 it's from a band called weatherbox and the album is american art i don't know if you've ever listened to them or if i've ever shouted them out to you really interesting history with them as far as do you remember that you used to have a subscription to alternative press I for sure did. like i don't even know how many years but there was a period of time where i would literally go through their review section and anything that was over four stars i would go at least check out and at this point i'm checking it out via myspace so if that contextualizes this for anybody <laughs> i would go to bands myspace pages and listen to like you know the two or three tracks they had listed up there and so they had given this what I believe was either a five out of five. I forget if they were a five star scale or like a four and a half. I really don't remember. I should look up the review. But I was like, okay, I'll go check these guys out. I checked out their, you know, they always had the two recommended tracks at the end of their reviews and stuff. So I listened to those and I really, really dug them. And I put those songs on mix CDs, again, dating myself. <laughs> and those songs I listened to a good bit, but never really explored the album as a whole. Until another band, who's going to come up on our list a little later, or my list rather, was actually touring with them. And it was my excuse to be like, oh, I remember those guys. I should go back and listen to them a little bit before I go see the show. And that's when I discovered this album, which is remains one of my favorites. But they have two subsequent albums. They have three full lengths total and a couple of EPs as well. But both of the follow-ups to this, I feel like blow it out of the water. But... I still love it regardless, <laughs> and it's a great like starting place, and I feel like you appreciate the second two albums even more seeing where they came from, so that's why I would more steer people towards this one. It, uh, I think, has like unfairly or incorrectly been labeled as like, you know, pop punk or emo. Yeah. At least the first album you could, but you would want to shift towards putting it there, but I feel like it really stands on its own it's just it's a it's a great rock album that has fantastic lyricism to it he's one of my brian warren the lead singer is one of my favorite just artists and writer songwriters specifically and they just musically they're on point it's a, a rotating group i don't think it's even been the same on any of the three albums but he is the centerpiece of it the lead singer and i just i love them i would shout it out for everybody to go check it out regardless of what genre you're into because i feel like it's wholly unique unto itself but my top tracks that i would recommend would probably be the dreams drop the mic and trip in the life fantastic the closer
I've yeah, heard Chip and the Life Fantastic before. I'm, I may have played I think it for you, you have, at some point. To be honest with you, they're fantastic. You would probably really enjoy them as well. So, I they, to me, feel uh, very Modest Mouse influenced. My favorite band of all time, to a certain extent. And I've heard the lead singer Brian Warren essentially say that what they wanted to do was basically meld like Modest Mouse and say anything together because those are like his two biggest influences and i feel like the first album you can really really see that for sure so give that a listen brother your number eight um i was fixing to say uh the wrong album title so my number eight is coming from uh, i don't want to i don't want to call him the best drummer of all time but uh mr phil collins okay (laughs) face value 1981 this is coming off of, I, I separated between him and Genesis because, if you don't know, he was not always the lead singer of Genesis. Genesis used to have 24 people in it, and then over the time, over you know, as time passed on, they got from like 24 people down to, th- to three. They're like the original um, Destiny's Child, only it's a bunch of dudes. But uh, Bill Collins had his own solo effort in 1981, and the first track off that uh, album is probably the most memorable track you've ever heard from Phil Collins, which is In the Air Tonight. And a okay. little side note about In the Air Tonight. It is, for my from my memory, just be, from the sound class I took at USC when we talked about the history of sound as part of a film course, uh, from, if I'm not mistaken, In the Air Tonight is the first like popular hit song to be played in full, on a television show. It was featured in an episode of Miami Vice as they were gearing up, getting uh-huh. ready to go out for whatever they were doing. I believe it's the pilot, isn't it? I think it is the pilot. Maybe, yeah. I'm, I don't know. But I remember that being a caveat to this discussion about, um, we were looking at the trends in like cop show themes, and somebody brought up Miami Vice, and they're like, yeah, it's all techno and stuff, but when you get to the actual show, this song, In the Air Tonight, everybody knows it, everybody knows the breakdown, the drums... You, if you haven't heard of it, what's wrong with you? And go listen to it. But I'm pretty sure everyone's heard it. I don't know why we haven't sent it out into space yet for <laughs> aliens to hear. But it's played in full in that episode. And another memorable track I would list from it is probably Behind the Lines. It is a Genesis song, but he does his own version of it, broken down about three minutes. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I don't, I don't mind the five minute version from Genesis, but I like the condensed, you know, radio friendly version from him. Uh, those are the two big ones on that. Uh, I missed again, uh, If Leaving Me Is Easy, because there's a really good documentary. I can't remember the name of it, but they go into the making of this, and they talk about how he like he had like a rhythm and blues or horn section from like Chicago or some big band, and they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, he all comes in, and I mean, Phil's looking like this this English countryside farmer. Like, what? Don't I don't even know what, what I don't want to make this guy. Then he comes in, he tells us how to arrange stuff, and man, if it wasn't the best music we've been playing it for, I was like, oh, okay. Like, they, they just talk about, like, seeing him for the first time and being like, what the fuck does this dude know about music? Mm-hmm. You know? But it, I can't remember what it's on. It might have been that Behind the Music about well, them. VH1 uh, Classics had the Behind the Album for a while. Maybe that was that's running it. And the, or it was classic albums is that's what it, it Maybe that's it. Um, face value. That would make sense. But yeah. So face so value is, from... When him. does No Jacket Required? That actually because that's the one I think of as like the definitive solo album. Well, see, that was the one that I was actually going to. That's the one that's got all the the major hits outside of uh, In the Air Tonight. 
Yeah, No Jag Required is 1985. That's what I wrote down by mistake. So I was fixing to be like, all right, no 1981s, No Jacket Required, but it's actually face value. But yeah, that's that one's at 1985. Mm-hmm. And that one, of course, has the studio, uh, One More Night, uh, Don't Lose My Number, Who Said I Would, Take Me Home. Um, single after single after yeah. single on that one. Yeah, for sure. Um, my number eight, we can breeze right past because it was Hot Fuss by The Killers, which we already covered. So I can jump into my seven if you want me to, and we can just flip-flop. Yeah, let's flip-flop. Go ahead. Go with your number seven. My number seven should hopefully be familiar to anybody who's listened to our Movie Arc podcast, because I've pretty much used their music for every episode that's not directly related to another theme. But it is the debut full-length album from All Get Out, and it's called The Season. And that was in 2011. Wow. Well, that was a long time ago. Yeah, I know. But Nathan, the lead singer, who, full disclosure, we are friends with, and I know semi-well, has been kind enough to let me use his music because I needed cool stuff to put on the front end of the, the movie arc. So, And we are not musically inclined whatsoever. Yes, so slightly biased on that note. And the only reason, honestly, this one isn't a little higher is because the second full length, which came out last year, entitled Nobody Likes a Quitter, is one of my favorite albums of all time. It's in my top five at this point. So that's the only reason this one isn't a little bit higher. But for a long time, it was one of my, my top ten as well, still up there. But um, yes. Fantastic album. They had been at it for quite a bit. They had a couple EPs up to this point, and I had seen them live I don't know how many times. It was like a a slow burn to finally getting to a full album, and a lot of these songs I had been hearing for, you know, years leading up to the release of it. So I was very excited to see how it would, you know, come together and how I would feel about them on an album versus having seen them live for so long and how it would translate. Are they going to be your Dave Matthews? My Dave Matthews. The band that you follow around forever, and then you're just like, they get big, and you're like, I know these guys, and you start to hate them. That's <laughs> no. what happened with Patrick, because oh, Patrick okay. used to follow, apparently Patrick used to follow Dave Matthews around Virginia for a long time, uh-huh. and like, when like it, they would have like bootlegged copies of like live albums they did playing, and then when they finally got big, people were just kind of like, oh, well, never mind. So I didn't know if that was going to happen here. No, I don't see myself getting sick of Me neither. I love Nathan. Soon. But they're led by Nathan Hussey, amazing front man, songwriter, vocalist. And all around the current lineup is a bit different than this debut album, but I'll go ahead and shout out my three favorites. Uh, My Friends, which is the opener, fantastic opener, maybe one of my favorite opening tracks to any album ever. Uh, Number six, Me and My Lovers, and the closing track, Come and Gone.
those would be the ones I would shout out. They had a handful of singles off the record, but those are slightly more off the map. Obviously, fans that have been following them know those very well, and I would also encourage everybody to check out their second album as well. Great. Again, we I've debated a lot with my friends who are into this genre as well about what particularly to call it, because indie rock sounds like too broad for some people, and... I kind of think of it as like Southern indie rock because there is kind of a core of Southern influence in a lot of these bands that I am going to talk about. But um, yeah, so I don't know what we want to call it, but it's it's rock and roll. Go, yeah, it's go just fucking rock it. and roll, yeah. dude. It's great. It's awesome. It's it's passionately delivered. It's extremely well written, and it's it's fun. It's energetic. It's got contemplative you, parts. As you well. don't know how, how many how they know many how to people. be quiet and be loud. Yeah, and in the right measure. You don't know how many girls. I told that I spent spring break with Nathan Hussey waking me up every morning strumming on his acoustic guitar. And they're like, oh my God. And it's crazy because like you and I have had the conversation about them. I Um, don't know. I've never seen them outside of Columbia. You consider them a Charleston band? At this point, they identify as Texas. Texas, yeah. Texas by way of Charleston. If you're listening to this in Charleston or Columbia or South Carolina at all, you, you should know about them if you don't. But I just, I've never seen them outside of this state, but every time I've seen them, it has been the most people. Like, I'll put it to you this way. When Hawthorne Heights was a big deal, <laughs> when Erica took me to, or I took Erica to Hawthorne Heights back in the day when they were coming through with the, um, whatever that big, the big, oh, dude, that would have been a great debut album. I didn't even think about that one. That's all, my, I'll put it on my honor mentions. <laughs> but there's all, there have been more people at all get out shows. Than there was at that Hawthorne Heights show, which was apparently yeah, like they the craziest. They have an extremely dedicated yeah. local following, and they've begun to branch out. They're on a huge summer tour right now. They're going to be going to the UK for the first time as well. So I encourage you to check them out at allgetoutmusic.com. Check them out on Spotify and support good music, guys. Yeah. And again, good, thank you to Nathan music. for allowing the use of his music uh, for the Movie Arc podcast. Thank you, Nathan. You're the best. Moving right along, back to you for your number seven. My number seven is 2003's Take This to Your Grave from the band Fallout Boy. Okay. I feel like a lot of people just tuned out, but you go right ahead, brother. But here's the thing, man. <laughs> Everybody knows Fallout Boy from under the cork tree and onward. And I don't care. And save rock and roll and all that. Like, Saturday is one of my favorite songs that they've ever put out. But you've got Saturday, Grand Theft Autumn, Dead on Arrival... Um, what's it? The pros and cons of breathing, uh, calm before the storm. Just a ton. It's a it's an emo album. It's a short little emo album. But I just I love it. Like I I look back at it. And I'm like it's <clears throat> it's great. Especially Grand Theft Autumn. I feel like that's like probably the biggest single you know from that. But my favorite is Saturday. Okay. I just I really like it. Pete Wentz I, screams a little bit, <laughs> but it's you know again, it's before we, they it was before they got cool. Right. That's why I'm going back to it for sure. Because everybody hates them now. They're slowly becoming like the nickelback of pop punk, pop music, whatever you want to call it. I feel like they've been that for a while in a lot of people's eyes. I'm not I'm not gonna jump on the hate train because again, we don't like to we don't like to deride people for their taste. Yeah, because at the end of the and day, I'm not guys, gonna hate on you for it too hard. At the end of the day, we can't play music. We can't make movies, otherwise we would be doing that. So we're gonna make <laughs> podcasts. Yeah. So any kind of hate you ever hear coming from us, dish it back tenfold on the website. On the Instagram, on the Twitter, all that good stuff. Because we, uh, you know. Yeah, or just yell at Gavin and tell him how ridiculous he is for loving Fall Out Boy. Um, or for putting it as, should I put it at number 10? 
Or should I have not put it on my list at all? Would you rather me hey, put it's Hawthorne your Heights? List. It's your favorites, man. You're the you gotta stand by it. I'm standing by it, dude. Saturday. <laughs> all right, man. When our open doors were open ended. Okay. God damn. <laughs> um, my number six is from nineteen ninety six. Ooh. From my favorite band of all time, Modest Mouse. And that would be the album. This is a long drive for someone with nothing to think about. This is their first full-length debut studio album. A handful of EPs and stuff beforehand. Do they have ridiculously but, long song titles, too? Uh, they do not, actually. Yeah, You'd see, Fall Out Boy's got them beat there. Tell that Mickey's just made my list of things to do today. <laughs> just stealing lines from Rushmore, like every other band from that era. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, not sh- not to shit-talk brand new at all. They can take all the yeah, they can the have all. phrases they want to. Yeah. It's totally fine. Just not Fall Out Boy. Um, I, I love Modest Mouse. This is nowhere near my favorite. My favorite's actually the one right after this, Lonesome Crowded West, one of my favorite albums of all time, but it's still worth shouting out because it's amazing and it's a great intro to them, even though I feel like you get a lot of the flavor of this album on the next one and they do kind of have different phases of noticeable sound changes, but they remain the same core band throughout in terms of nobody else sounds like them. But ones I'll shout out, uh, Dramamine was probably the most recognizable single for a lot of people off of this one. But personal favorites, Breakthrough, uh, Might, Beachside Property, and Head South. Also have a soft spot for Ohio as well. But it's it's just stacked. It's also got Talking Shit About a Pretty Sunset, one of their best songs ever in their entire discography. If you've never listened to it, I encourage you you're experiencing it for the first time or any modest mouse album for that matter listen to it on the road driving music the best soundtrack driving music for a a midday drive so to speak or if you've got a long highway to traverse and it's just it's fantastic i love them they're wholly unique nobody else sounds like them isaac brock is a fantastic lyricist and you can see all of the seeds sown so to speak of where they're going to go throughout the rest of their career on their debut so that's my number six this is a long drive for someone with nothing to think about by Modest Mouse. You were number six, brother. Um, again, we can you can decide where you fall on this one. Uh, my number six is from 1957, The Chirping Crickets. Technically, it's Buddy Holly and The Crickets, but I just consider it Buddy Holly. They don't consider his first work to be um, until the actual the next album that followed. Okay. But Buddy Holly is probably. I mean, I know everybody wants to say Elvis. Johnny Cash, all that. Johnny Cash, I don't consider rock and roll. Totally consider him country slash gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could save him for that category. But Buddy Holly, to me, is the pinnacle of American rock and roll back back in the day. I know Chuck Berry invented it. I know Elvis stole it from everybody else. But to me, Buddy Holly is essentially, he's the one person I wish we still had because I wonder what the face of rock and roll would have been had he not died when he did. Mm-hmm. I feel like 
there's all sorts of things that, that could have happened. Just imagine him him being involved in every scene of music, every turn of music, what his what his weird psychedelic 60s, 70s album would have been, what his new, new like 80s comeback, new wave, punk, whatever you want to call it, in the 70s, what his different influences from like rock and roll, what he would have brought to the table, mm-hmm. and all these different type of genres that came before it. But mm-hmm. specifically on this one, I will shout out um, Maybe Baby, Not Fade Away, Oh Boy, but the one everybody should know, my favorite from this one is That'll Be The Day. time from him though is crying waiting hoping yeah which you have told me before yes covered brilliantly by marshall crenshaw for the la bomb la bomba movie and um who the girls i don't know if it's haim there's some girls that cover it for that rave on if you if you like buddy holly at all you probably already know this, but there is a, an album of compilation like it's a compilation album called rave on and it's like CeeLo green does um modest mouse is on there as well yeah uh Maybe, Maybe I don't that'll care. be the day, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and then I don't know what the name of the girls that were doing, but they did Cry and Wait and Hoping, but it was very, it's just a different take on it, and I really loved it. But yeah, number six, The Chirping Crickets is the name of it from Buddy Holly. That's our oldest album thus far. Yeah, I think mistaken. it is the oldest I've gone some, to. Get some classic taste in there. I should point out, like, I went through my obvious kind of standards of like, Okay, the Stones, Dylan, Bowie, like all of these, and went back to the debuts, and I'm like, yes, they're they're notable, they're fantastic, they have like one or two songs off of them, but they're just their body of work is what you remember more than anything, and so it's hard for me to look back at some of those and be like, this is it, like people must have been flabbergasted in the day, because usually yeah. it back then I feel like it took like one or two albums to kind of catch on with people in general, and yeah. for artists to find their sounds as well. So yeah. Um, so that brings me to my number five. Is that correct? Yeah, that'll be your number five. Uh, which is, I need the date on this one, but it is Garden Window, the debut album from a Georgia-based band called Oh Brother. I don't know if I've ever told you about them. But I've heard they are, of them before. They are kind of you know, circulated and were on the same label as uh, Manchester Orchestra and All Get Out and a handful of other bands. This kind of genre that I've been following for the last decade or so basically since end of high school and it is i've heard them described i believe by andy hole the lead singer of manchester orchestra as they're like the deftones meets explosions in the sky they are incredibly heavy uh musicality is amazing uh very ethereal feel in parts very dark in other parts and their lead singer tanner Merritt, is just Incredibly unique vocalist. He can sing very soft and pretty, but when he gets into it and gets emotional, it is this guttural voice that you just you don't picture coming from this guy. Because if you talk to him in you know just normal conversation, he's like sweet, totally chill dude. 
it's a beautiful album start to finish. It has a lot of different shades, and it's definitely one I encourage listening to as an, an entire whole uh, start to finish because it has a, a great build and crescendos and peaks and valleys and whole different range of emotions and vibes and tones all throughout it. But if you like heavier stuff, it's definitely it, they're one of the heavier bands I listen to. Also, definitely encourage people to see them live because that's part of the experience that I feel like will hook you into them, even if the album itself does not. But the ones that I would point out, track two off the album, Low, which is kind of when things kick into gear, uh, is fantastic. Easy Talk, slash, or parentheses, Open Your Mouth, track six, is a great centerpiece uh, and just a fantastic song. close to the end but essentially the closer of the album called cleanse me which is track 10 which is about eight and a half minutes long but it is you know fantastic start to finish i would encourage you to check them out i don't know if they're in your wheelhouse brother but i don't think we've ever really talked about them before i mean i know you've gone to see them because you go to that stuffing thing you always talk about going to back in the day um but i i may have listened to one or two songs but okay. I, nothing to nothing that I'll definitely you just give me your list when we're done. We'll trade. We'll need to trade list. And I think we've also been debating putting up a, a Spotify playlist that will get rotated out as we do more and more episodes of this centered around different themes, or we'll just continue to add to it. And it'll just be this giant mishmash of a bunch of different things. We'll see. But, uh, your number four or my number five, your number five, excuse me. Cause we flip flop. My number five is 1978's. The Cars, from the band The Cars. Okay. It features such hits as Good Times Roll, My Best Friend's Girl, Just What I Needed, Don't You Stop, You're All I've Got Tonight, and Bye Bye Love. That is all, a stacked album. Dude, that is, I mean, it is, it's one of those that, like, they get mentioned like when people talk about... Torpedoes or a, Yeah, it's a um, first effort Disintegration greatest. where it's just like you think of that band and you think of their hits yeah. and oh, it all traces back. Now, Drive is not on that album. Drive is my favorite song of theirs. Mm-hmm. And I know why now. Because after reading something about it, I love it so much. Not to, not to you know, not to shit on Rick Ocasek, but Drive is not sung by Rick Ocasek. It is the only song that either the drummer or a bass player sang lead. And it's just different than everything else. I think it's on Heartbeat City. I'm not mistaken. But a while ago, like just a couple years ago, I got their Greatest Hits album. And literally, they are like, they're my summer band. Like, I listen, I've said it before on a podcast. I listen to Drive every night when I'm like getting to where I'm going. But I had their Greatest Hits in there for a while. And Walmart had this thing where basically they were re-releasing everybody's albums as one. Like mm-hmm. all of the, everything they'd done in one bit. And the neat thing was when you open it up, the extra little like cardboard paper covers 
were the album covers from back in the day. Nice. So like you open them up and you have what you would have gotten in the seventies with the vinyl and all that. And so I remember one trip, I don't know where I was going or maybe it was over multiple times. I literally just played each one of them back to back and I was like, I'm not changing it. I'm not finding the greatest hits. I'm listening to these like I would have listened to it if I was a kid in the 70s and I went to a record store and I bought it and I came home and listened to it. It's just going to happen to be in my car because I was driving. So far, I discovered podcasts. But, <laughs> you know, that they are, that one, so many hits in it. Again, my favorite song isn't on it, but as a debut album coming out of the gate with that many radio-friendly hits, I mean, yeah. every one of these, go to, go to Wikipedia, every one of those songs has a blue tag to go talk about it. Yeah. That album is full of hits. Mm-hmm. It's great. familiar with all those songs but yeah to sit down and listen to it in its proper order yeah that's i I definitely recommend that sure uh my number four this is as classic as i'm gonna get and arguably should probably be number one for most people but it's uh, a little album from 1969 argued as possibly the most influential album of the modern era can you tell me what it is brother is it some girls no rolling stones that's not their debut album, not by a long shot. I just only know some girls. Okay. Um, it's The what's Velvet Underground call? and Nico by oh. The Velvet Underground, oh. brother. I was going to say, what's your frequency, Kenneth? Is that even an no, album? No, R.E.M. is not on my list. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I don't really know what I need to say about it. There's been endless quotes. You, Everybody knows the story of, you know, Nobody bought this album when it came out, but everybody that actually did started a band. Like, it's just, it is a centerpiece of modern American music. Is there not a documentary about that? I'm pretty sure there is. I want to say that... There's a handful of documentaries about this era in general, and there's been tons of movies made as well. I don't... I. It's either it was either Jason Pargent or Jack O'Brien who they mentioned something about, like, everybody went, either bought this album or went to, like, a concert in the late 60s, 70s, and, like, from there... Like modern music was born. It's the album. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to think of who it was that talked about it. That's all. I know you're. I know yeah. it's that album. I listened to you and you just said it. <laughs> I can hear you. Yes, I know your frequency, Kenneth. But this is my basically. I came to this album after my introduction to Lou Reed via Walk on the Wild Wild Side and uh, Transformer. His uh, not debut album. Otherwise, it would be on the list. He had a self title that came out. Uh, the same year as Transformer, but technically predates it. So anyways, Velvet Underground and Nico, everybody's got their favorites, and these are huge hits, of course, and super well-known, but Femme Fatale, track three, would be up there for me. Venus and Furs, track four, still one of the creepiest, most terrifying songs I've ever heard, and it's amazing. It has such a unique vibe to it. 
also a, a standout from the album but i personally i like loaded their follow-up a little bit better um but you know it cannot be ignored its place in music history and i do genuinely love it and it still holds up as like you can throw this on and listen to it start to finish and see why it has been so influential since and what people must have just thought of it at the time of just like there's nothing else that exists like this so that's my number four, Velvet Underground and Nico from The Velvet Underground. Okay, uh, this one you might be a little derided. We might have to discuss. This is where I'm going to actually throw in, uh, make a case. I'm going to probably have to make a, the most case for this one, not necessarily. Um, uh, well, better. this is probably the only one I have to discuss. A lot of preamble. Yeah. What the so, fuck is it? No, my number four is 2013's Kissland from The Weeknd. Okay. Now, you may argue with me that the trilogy album that already existed was an album. It was released. It was sold in stores. But it is technical as it is a collaboration. Never really had a full release. Mm -hmm. And it is not considered a full-length studio album. So while there are some amazing gems, like definitely you can find out what you want to find out about The weekend, what he's into, what he likes. doesn't really change until you get to Starboy. But you can find all that out from Trilogy. But from Mm -hmm. Kissland, I like it because it's very different for a... A, a debut album. I'm going to read you this. Okay. Kissland symbolizes the tour life, but it's a world that I created in my head, just like house of balloons symbolizes Toronto and my experiences there, but it's a world that I created. When I think of Kissland, I think about a terrifying place. It's a place I've never been before. And that I'm very unfamiliar with a lot of it's inspired by filmmakers like John Carpenter, David Cronenberg, and Ridley Scott, because they know how to capture fear. That's what Kissland is to me. An environment that's just made of from just honest fear. I don't know who I am right now, and I'm doing all these outlandish things in these settings that I'm not familiar with. To me, it's the most terrifying thing ever. So when you hear the screams on the record, you hear all these horror references, and you feel scared. Listen to the music, because I want you to feel what I'm feeling. Kissland is like a horror movie to me. Okay. And it has one of my favorite songs he's ever put out, which is You Belong to the World. seem you know call me a a bullshit tell me i'm just a fucking weird poser but 
I had this album with me when I visited Japan. Mm-hmm. And I walked around that Tokyo everywhere I went. I went to this little town called Omei, and I stood on top of this building. It was a train museum that looked out all over, like the best view I could find of, of, of Japan. And I just listened to You Belong to the World. Now, it's really weird. It's out there. It's different. But the words, I liked. Mm-hmm. But I listened to that album. But my favorite of all time on that one, number one I would tell you to go listen to, is Wonderlust. Okay. Best song off the album. But other men, honorable mentions are You Belong to the World and The Town, I think, are probably the, the next two most like user-friendly ones. Okay. But that pales in comparison to everything he's done since. He's one of those that every album gets better. And especially with Starboy that just came out, it is a complete departure from everything you've ever heard from then. And mm-hmm. it's like he's just like when they announced Starboy, he deleted all of his old pictures off of Instagram and it was just him. He cut his hair and he was now like Starboy. And I love it because it's like I've done studio thing twice. I had, you know, the big sensation with um, Beauty Behind the Madness and I did the whole Fifty Shades of Grey deal. Everybody knows me. I've done some collaborations. Now I'm going to do my shit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get Daft Punk. We're going to get an album together, and it's going to be dope. So it, they're, those two on there are not my favorite of all times. So definitely he has better work down the road. But as a debut studio album from someone, I just like that idea of using the tour life and everything as a metaphor for a horror, through horror to like, I'm scared of all the shit I'm doing. I haven't ever done it before. And let me put it all out there. So 2013's Kissland from The Weeknd. I definitely need to like give that one a proper start to finish listen because I would lean towards trilogy personally, and I haven't properly digested Starboy. Like I wasn't crazy about it, and I expected to be going into it. So I don't know. I maybe I need to. You should look at the videos for Starboy too. They're really like re- watch those in conjunction with it. Okay, but yeah, definitely. My number three is from a band who just dropped their. Oh my gosh, fifth full-length studio album yesterday when we're recording this it is arcade fire with funeral from 2004 that was on rolling stones list yes i it's one of the most impressive debuts it's still i think inarguably one of the greatest albums ever made so much so that i feel like the rest of their body of work kind of pales in comparison but i am a huge fan of neon bible their second album and their third one the suburbs i feel like is incredibly strong they won album of the year if i'm not mistaken for that and reflector is where i started to wane a little bit and i as of the recording of this have not properly listened to everything now which is their most recent release but funeral it's one of those that was just kind of genre bursting i feel like for a lot of people it crossed over and kind of like got a lot of people aware of them that probably would never listen to stuff in this vein but it's got a ton of different influences. The, I think a lot of people wanted to label them as like the the modern talking heads initially, and they've definitely played into that in certain aspects and retreated away from it in others. But as it stands, Funeral is just a, a beautiful piece of conception and music. They are mostly a family-based band, mostly from Canada, and uh, they're... Uh, this debut funeral comes after several close family members died like all in a short time span and so they're like reflecting on that it's a very dark album but it's a very upbeat uplifting album at the exact same time the three main ones i would shout out unana sans lumiere which is track three uh wake up which is track seven which i'm sure a lot of people are familiar with even if you don't really know arcade fire you know that song and a personal favorite of mine would be haiti which is uh, track eight 
tons of different influences and it's a band where you have Wynn Butler as the kind of de facto lead vocalist on everything, but his wife, Regine, uh, also has a very distinct delivery and the way that they meld together, the way they integrate French into the lyrics as well was very interesting, but it's just, it's kind of a kaleidoscope type record where it all, you could see this expansiveness of it, but it feels very controlled at the same time and it's, it's just amazing. So if you haven't actually listened to that one, you need to. That's Funeral from Arcade Fire from 2004. Your number three, brother. My number three is the first of two studio albums released in 1979. Okay. From a little band called Stiff Kittens. They had such hits on this album. Uh, Stiff Kittens is the name of the band. The album's called Unknown Pleasures. And they had a um, plethora of hits. So... Some you might be familiar with. New Dawn Fades, She's Lost Control, Shadow Play, Disorder, uh, and maybe Insight. But yeah, Stiff Kittens, Unknown Pleasures. Okay. You get the Insight joke? Yeah, I get that it's Joy Division is what you're trying to say. Yeah, Joy Division is the name of the band. They first ever, the first name they ever went on stage under was Stiff Kittens. In the vein of like, if no one likes us they won't know that we're Joy Division, we're Stiff Kittens. That is <laughs> right. why one of the first songs on Black Audio's first album is called Stiff Kittens. Um, but yeah, this is the first studio album from Joy Division. Technically, there's only two. A lot of the stuff that came out that we know is hits of theirs came out after Ian Curtis's death. Mm-hmm. But this one in particular, I would count Shadow Play because I played that for people and they're like, when was this recorded? And I'm like, 1978, 79. They have no idea. They think right. it's something moody from today. Absolutely. Or like the mid-90s. It just had a completely different sound. I mean, you have, again, we've already talked about the killers. You, to me, you have no killers without Joy Division. No AFI. Future Islands, one of my favorite modern bands. You don't get without Joy Division in your order. We can do a whole. I would like. I really, also we, looked at. I wanted to put New Order's first album on mine, and I realized that most of the the hits you think of don't come until the second. Yeah, full length. because that first album sounds a lot like them trying to recreate Ian Ian's voice. Yes, but I would love to, as we delve into this, we definitely need to do just either one podcast about them as a whole and go into their kind of their story and get to like maybe do a brief rundown of the brief history of them, or if we actually decided we're going to spend a podcast what per I'm, album on the whole thing about Yeah, them. what I'm thinking we might do as kind of the running thread for this one is maybe we pick an artist that you and I want to tackle or each of us brings in an artist and then we work through their discography like within an episode and kind of talk about their whole body of work. 
Yeah, we'll do, we we want to clash. I don't want I want to clash with two separate artists in one, but we like we decide on an artist. Yeah, and we we break up the the discography from years. Like you take the first two, I'll take the last two, and we run through it that way. Yeah, we could definitely yeah, do that. Could that. Be good. And we'll yeah. we'll let you know about some other music arc shows that are in the works as well when we get to the end of this cast. But we are we are almost there. Thanks for hanging with us. Um, yeah. we are at my number two. Correct? Give me another I hint. Know, I don't know how I want to tease this one, so I'm probably just going to cut that shit out. Okay. From 2007, Oracular Spectacular from MGMT. Or management, if you will. But it's MGMT. And I said, ooh, girl. Not, but not even for that. Okay. Yes, That's no. my whole thing with this album yeah. is it's enormous. It's huge. It blew them up. Like, everybody knows electric feel everybody knows kids everybody yes. knows time to pretend great songs not disagreeing with you but if you have never sat down and listened to this album start to finish you are missing out on one of in my opinion the greatest like works of musical genius in modern times it's just yeah it is fantastic it takes you on a journey it's got so many different vibes and feels throughout it and I just, I remember being floored by it because it was one of those, I had heard the singles and thought, oh, okay, that's what they're they're playing for me. And I listened to a couple out of context and it still didn't quite like register for me, but it wasn't until I sat down and like literally with headphones went through the entire thing and I was just like absolutely floored by it. It's still one of those albums I throw on at least like once a month, listen to it in its entirety. It's great late night driving music as well. Oh, yeah. But in the vein of discussing the non-singles from it, my three personal favorites that I would point out, track seven, Pieces of What, track nine, The Handshake, which rolls you perfectly into Future Reflections, which is the closing track, which would be my favorite song on the entire album. check that out if you haven't of course they've been they consciously made a move towards not making a palatable record for their second album because of how successful this one was and as a result i feel like they haven't in a you know in their moving away from what everybody expects them to do they've maybe kind of alienated some people not you know their artists they want to evolve etc etc i like congratulations their follow-up uh, Alien Days, not so much, and I don't know what they have in the works right now. I feel like they might be right on the cusp of another one, but they uh, they always essentially get a free pass from me because of this album, and I'm always kind of hoping that maybe we'll get one more that's on the level of this, but as a standalone album period, I think you can stack it up against a lot of other things from even more well-established artists, and then the fact that it happens to be a debut is even more impressive to me. Yeah, very, I mean... I I remember I I didn't hear this beginning like I said I heard I I was introduced to MGMT through Kid Cudi in his first album 
with them being on Pursuit of Happiness. And I remember seeing that, mm-hmm. and I think someone showed me the video for kids, and I was like, oh, that's real fucked up. Like, this baby's, oh, yeah. just, this baby's just crying, and like these evil monsters, like, what the hell? Yes. But I was like, this is fucking Do you know infectious. who the mom in the kids' video is? Uh, isn't it one of their... It's actually Joanna Newsome, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. I may cut this out if I find out I'm wrong on it. Yeah, pretty or leave sure it in. It doesn't matter. Pretty sure it's Joanna Newsome, who is one of my favorite current artists as well. Her album, Divers, was my favorite album of like two years ago. Uh, she is married to Andy Samberg. That's right. Yes. Okay. Um, and if you haven't seen any of her videos, A, she doesn't sound like anybody else on this planet. Like, I, I don't even think she's human. She's amazing, though. Uh, her recent video is directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Like hmm. he did two for her. Fucking astounding. You need to go check her out. We'll actually do that like right after we're done with this. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to point that out. Awesome videos from that album. And just, they're all also equally awesome live. They're one of the, I haven't seen them personally, but I'm talking about watching videos. They're one of the, I was like, how do you recreate all of that that we hear on the album live? And they kind of managed to do it in most cases. And what's so surprising is they're actually playing fucking instruments. Yeah. Like you almost expect, oh, it's just going to be two dudes and, you know, a keyboard or Which like you'd be a fine computer. with. They're great. Yeah. But, but it's not like you go and it's this full, you know, full band experience. And I'm like, no, that's they are legit, want- like amazing musicians and songwriters. And yeah. That's why I always wanted to see Gym Class Heroes live because I knew they had like they were legit. They were a band, yeah. Um, Okay, so my number two two is from 1995. It is "Answer That and Stay Fashionable" by the band A Fire Inside, more often than not referred to as AFI. Um, Some of the I don't know. I wanted to put this one on my list because it is my all-time favorite band. I did not want to get into the argument of how Sing the Sorrow should technically be their first album because they have a huge library before that. But they are one of these bands that we've talked about that as they go forward, they always get better. I've listened to the new album. It is not my favorite. I have not seen them live and playing it. That is how I go through AFI stuff. I will get more to that in just a second. But on this album, you will probably recognize I want to get a Mohawk, but my mom won't let me get one. Uh, The Checkered Demon, uh, Kung Fu Devil, uh, High School Football Hero, which is my second favorite, but my favorite on this album is Your Name Here. rough east bay hardcore punk rock and roll it you know maybe the reason why i didn't really find out with about them until seeing the sorrow was because they kind of got thrown in with a bunch of like punk that just came out in the mid 90s that might have been a response to nirvana Mm -hmm. or might have been a response to more hair metal i don't know but i always go through this thing where like i hear an afi album and i'm like oh great this is the new one like it's not as good as the last one don't me okay fine and then I go and see them play it live, and I fall in love with it. It happened on December Underground. It mm-hmm. happened on Crash Love. And it happened on... I didn't see them play... Well, Burials, yeah. happened. We saw we saw them. I think that was... Burials was what they played yep. here. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, they, they, it's like each album is new and different, and I keep thinking, oh, well, that's great. They've let me down. And then I go see them play it live, and I'm like, oh, this is it. This is, I get it. I totally understand what works. 
but they are my favorite band of all time. Yeah. So I could not not put them on a list. That was my thing is like, I almost wanted to cut Modest Mouse because I'm like, I like so many other albums from them better, but I had to throw it on there because yeah, I do love to. it and they're my favorite. But I was going to say on the note of like new albums that come out and you're like, oh, I don't know what to make of them. TV on the radio is a huge one that's like that for me. And the reason that their debut Return to Cookie Mountain is not on my list is because they're like, I love that album. thought it was incredible when I first heard it. Their next one, Dear Science, comes out. Huge critical success. Like, everybody adores it. I hated it the first time I listened to it. <laughs> Six months later, come back. Whoa, shit. This is, like, the best thing I've ever heard. Their next album, Nine Types of Light, same thing. I go and listen to it like day it comes out. Not feeling it. Oh, my God, what happened to them? Go back and listen to it six months later. Now it's their best album. Yeah, it's. I have yet to do that with Seeds, their most recent record. Yeah, that's where AFI is getting out. Like they've been out with the the. Well, they just it's it's titled AFI, but it's the Blood album. But I listened to it the first couple times and through in the car, and I was like, all right, there's some stuff here I like, but nah. So I'm I'm pretty sure it's primed to re-listen to it and just fall in love with it again because they've been doing it for years, man. I mean, they've been still still putting on amazing, amazing live performances. I remember I saw them live before you and I told you, look, dude, they're going to play death of seasons and he's going to scream and it's going to sound like it does on the album. Trust me. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, we went to the December underground show or the whatever show we went to. You've seen, you and I've seen him twice, right? Whatever one was at House of Blues. December underground, if I'm not mistaken. Then why did I see him beforehand? I don't know. I think you've seen one without me, but we yeah. saw him once in uh, Myrtle Beach and once down here. Yeah, I saw him. I've seen him twice in Myrtle Beach. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. so I wasn't there for one of those. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I love AFI. Yeah, they're great. That's definitely one that I expect to hear some flack about from people, but you can go ahead and squash that and just shut up. Well, thanks for sticking up for me, brother. Dude, I'll, I'll does, defend does you it, on that one. Does it make up for Fall Out Boy being on my list? I Dude, to each his own, man. To each his own. <laughs> my, right, let's hear it. What's my your number, number one? one, I think I've spoiled this for you off mic. Uh, I don't know that this would be slightly different if we were doing a different list, but it is one of my favorite albums of all time. But specifically when we're talking about debuts, you may have to fight me on it because is an album still technically a debut if nothing comes after it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it yeah. is. Maybe you've been brainwashed too from 1998 <laughs> from the band New Radicals. Everybody probably knows you get what you give. Huge radio single from the 90s. You still hear it on pretty much all like top 40 stations that rotate through shit. It's an incredible single. It's great. It is a song that I got into via like the music video when it was big when we were kids. And of course, this is, I'm like seven when this song comes out. But it was on the radio all the time. And I don't know if you remember this, but it was in the era when, like, if we heard a song that we liked, like, mom would just go buy the album. Yeah. Like, she would figure out who it was, and she would just go pick up the album, and then we had that record. That is how we and, have Paula Cole's This Fire. Yes, with the because theme song of Dawson's Creek. Creek. <laughs> but, dude, this is one of those that I'm like, if she knew what this album was, she, she never it. would have bought it yeah. for me at that age, or us at that age, rather. So it's one that sat in the collection, and it's like, she loved that song as well. You get what you give, the big single. She bought me a hat, mm-hmm. like the like the lead oh. singer wore on the cover. Yes, Greg yeah. Alexander, musical genius and visionary. Please come back to actually singing Greg Alexander. He still produces for a lot of people, but he essentially, as a result of this album and them blowing up and all of that, like, disbanded the band like broke up didn't want to do the whole fame thing and he'd been trying to kind of like 
not break into the industry, but he had a prior solo album and had a, like a several false starts over the years. And then all of a sudden it's like everything came together on this album. He had essentially like a band that he had created from scratch, all these people that he wanted to get together. And they put out what I think is like a defining album of the 90s. And I would argue the best album of the 90s personally. I feel like it's a statement on the decade as much as it is a totally danceable, awesome amazing groovy rock and roll extravaganza all at the same time yeah so i will shout out a couple it's hard to narrow down favorites on this one the opening track mother you just we just can't get enough has one of my favorite openings ever i'm gonna play that right here Hope oh man, that sounded that. great, dude. Love it. <laughs> yeah. But how how else do you want to start an album, except with the phrase "Make my nipples hard, let's go"? I mean, that's what you want any album to do for you. close maybe not dethrone it but i think i could come close with my number one okay well i i will put put that to bed but i will shout out uh i hope i didn't just give away the ending the third track absolutely amazing and there's just it's amazing and the title track as well which is mostly instrumental with like incomprehensible vocals super groovy amazing go listen to it if you haven't if you only know them for the single check it out it is one of the great gems of the 90s I wish we had gotten more from them, but as it stands, it is for me a perfect album start to finish, and it is my number one favorite debut album of all time. Back to you, brother. All right, so this one comes about, what what year was that, 97? It was 98. 98? Okay, so this one comes about 12 years before that. Okay. And the opening lines are, because mutiny on the bounty is what we're all about. I'll board your ship and turn you all out. It's licensed to ill by the Beastie Boys. Is that technically their debut? That is their okay. debut. And from this album, you get the new style. Girls, Fight for Your Right to Party, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, Paul Revere, Brass Monkey, and Time to Get Ill. But it opens with my favorite song they've ever put out, Rhyming and Stealing. Mm-hmm. I love this album. <laughs> yes, AFI is my favorite of all time. Joy Division is a close second. But I cannot think of another album from them that had this many memorable songs to pull from. Yes, Intergalactic is great, and Sabotage is great, as a and uh, from the Five Burrows and uh, check it out. But this is what started it all, and it literally has every single song you could ever think was theirs. It all comes from one album. It's another one of those 
first one greatest hits. I put up there with the Cars and Tom Petty and stuff like that. Incredibly influential, breaks down all sorts of genre barriers, of yes. course. And the thing I love is the sampling of everything. So like mm-hmm. Rhyming and Stealing, uh, it takes from When the Levees Break from Led Zeppelin, Sweet Leaf by Black Sabbath, and I Fought the Law from The Cash. The Clash, excuse me. I don't want to say The Cash. The Cash, yeah. Um, So I would encourage you to buy this album, listen to it, try and see if you can catch all the great samples and hooks, and then go to to the Wikipedia page and look them up and see exactly what they are. But this, I mean, I cannot think of... I remember I was... I had been coming back and forth. I went. I was coming down after a job interview down here a couple years ago, and I heard on the on the radio that who was the first one to pass away? Was it Ad Rock or was it? Um, I think it was DJ Ad Rock. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, but he had passed away. At, yeah, Adam. Yeah, so he had passed away, and I instantly just went boom into my into it was in my car, pulled it out. Played it all the way through, made it back to made it back to Columbia after running through the whole thing, and I was just like, they'll. I was like, well, damn, there'll never be another one out an album from them. But I kind of was in the back of my head, was like, did we need any more after this? Because it's perfect. Yes, the stuff in the late '90s, and then you know, from the Five Boroughs, and what they have done for music, not just hip hop, not you mm-hmm. know whatever genre you want to you want to pin them in, is amazing. But it all started here. I love that everybody thinks "Fight for Your Right to Party" is like this party anthem thing but they were totally making fun of like you know frat boys that just want right. to get drink uh, get drunk and you know have sex with chicks and stuff like that and then i don't know i mean she's crafty the posse in effect the new style i love the end of the new style mm-hmm. chilling on a comp uh, chilling on the corner on a hot summer's day just me and my posse at mca uh, a lot of bill a lot of a lot of beer a lot of girls and a whole lot of cursing 22 automatic on my person <laughs> I love it, dude. It's it, it's it's such an influential album for, I mean, yeah, you've got Run DMC, you've got other hip hop acts in the '80s, but I feel like this is that first kind of like foot in the door for you know white America and big record labels to say, wait a minute, there's something here. These right. white kids from Brooklyn can do it. New York, they can do it. What what else is out there? And I just feel like it it helped along with Run DMC. And um, you know their collaboration with Aerosmith, I feel like that those two are kind of why we have the the landscape of hip hop and R and B that we do today. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, I, I'm not, yeah, I kind of took it from Rolling Stone, but I forget that it was their their uh, first date. There was a there was their debut, but Rolling Stone did list it as like the number one debut album of all time, and I I, I couldn't argue with that because there's just so many good things on it. It does so much. And again, if you don't have it in your playlist, if you don't own it, go buy a copy of it. It's probably like six dollars at Target. It's still <laughs> it's still being sold today. Or uh, more appropriately, go listen to it on Spotify. Yeah, which go is to probably Sp- what all of you are already yeah. doing. But yeah, so that was our top ten favorite yeah. debut albums of all time. And I think we'll probably come back. I don't know if we'll shoot for next week or what we want to do, but I definitely want to do sophomore at some point. Yeah, we should. Because there's so, in looking up this list, like there's so many sophomore albums that I would love to make a top 10 for. Dude, so. we need to do Let's just keep doing that because, okay, this is the, this is going to be, this is going to drop the first week of all, like the first week in August, right? Technically. Somewhere in there. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Whenever you drop it, it's going to be August. So we can do the second week of August as sophomore. The third week of August is junior, and then we get to senior. By the time we get to senior, everybody's going back to school. I mean, it's a perfect segue. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the idea of doing that. We go through, you know, because how many, that's like, good, start thinking about could, bands the, where it's the, like the fourth album. That's the one. Yeah. That's, that's got, that's going to be the beauty of so it. So I think that, yeah, this will be an interesting structure, but what you can also look forward to in the music are, you're not just going to be hearing from us all the time and it's not just going to be random top tens. Yeah. Cause I'm just, we're going to have a couple structured shows, one of which is in the works as we speak. And that's going to be called Modest Musings, where I and a guest will take you through the entire discography of my favorite band, Modest Mouse. So, and that will go through all of their studio releases, all their LPs, and then we'll work our way back to some uh, early EPs, B-sides, rarities, etc. And uh, hopefully have like a different guest or at least a rotating guest panel for that one. Um, if anybody listening wants to be a part of that show, let me know. We also have, if I'm not mistaken, from Mr. Sunshine Mayfield, who writes on the site pretty regularly, a Ben Folds 5-centric podcast where they're going to go through all of his discography as well. That's him and a buddy whose name escapes me at the moment. Uh, But they'll be recording out of North Carolina, and we'll be posting those up as well. So look forward to those, and then we'll have this proper uh, music arc. If you've listened to the movie arc, you kind of know that we... We kind of just go week to week based on whatever comes to mind, whatever we've been listening to recently. We'll probably play into what we discuss. And obviously, if like a new album drops from somebody we both are excited about, maybe we'll listen to it independently and come in and do like an in-depth breakdown. That could be really cool. So we're kind of figuring it out. If you have suggestions for things you want to hear covered on here, new uh, shows that you'd like to see within the feed as well, let us know. You can hit us up at thearchive at gmail.com. Shout out us on Instagram at the Arc of E Network, on Twitter at the Arc of E, and on Facebook also the Arc of E. So I think that'll about wrap it up. Unless you have any closing thoughts, brother. I want to do a, a decadence um, podcast. I want to go through Pete Wentz's record label from Fuel by Ramen and talk about all those decadence? bands. Decadence, 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 yeah. decadence, 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 whatever you want to call it. Whatever. Yeah, because I mean. Uh, Yes, you, I want to know what's you, going on with Panic you, at the Disco. You find Travis somebody McCoy. to do that one with you. I'm sure. I'm sure there's tons of demand. Please shout at Gavin and let him know if Listen, that's a good idea. If you want to join me and my super sweet, awesome, super secret boy band podcast about NSYNC and New Kids and run it all the way through to One D, hit me up. But if you really want to get down on something awesome that everyone's gonna love, it's gonna be my totally awesome Cobra Starship Tuesdays. Is what I'm throwing out there. <laughs> going through every single Cobra Starship song one by one. We're going to play one it. One song per episode. <laughs> it's a 30-minute episode. It's one song per episode. We play it. We talk about it. We rank it. We move on. Dude, that simple. Watch this. Watch us get a flood of emails where people are like, yeah, do that. Do that. And it becomes our number one show. Yeah. Highest rated show on iTunes. Yeah. Easy. Snakes on a Plane <laughs> is going to be the most listened to one. But that's not even the it, dude. Fucking Viva La Cobra. That is, that I'm is, surprised you didn't throw them on this list. But anyways, because, oh, do you have any honorable mentions you want to get to before yeah, we wrap things mentions, up? Because uh, we need to wrap up. NWA, uh, that Hawthorne Heights album I came out with. For Emma Forever Ago, I'm not, I just, I love, I like it's it. It's just that second Bonavere record so it's much It's so better. fucking good, dude. It's so like, it yeah. was like, I'm going to put my foot in the door with For Emma, but then I'm going to lay my dick on the table with, <laughs> with Bonavere. Like, yes, that good. First time that's phrase has ever been used to describe their music yeah. but yeah uh, um college dropout kanye west very good yeah. um, um i uh, what were some ones I the can't? chronic M- music from big pink by the band came to mind 
Dr. Dre's The Chronic. That's his first solo release, right? If I'm not mistaken. After right. NWA. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a timeless one. Eminem's first one's great. Yep. Um, there's to, there's a ton. If you have your own list, if you think this is a shit list, like he said, hit us up. Yes, absolutely. And again, these are favorites, so feel yeah. free to shit on our musical taste, but this is not us saying that these are the unequivocal best debuts. These are just our favorites, yeah. people. But yes, let us know your list. Uh, shout it out in the comments for this post. Or email us directly if you want to. We'll discuss those on a future music art cast. If you made any of these albums, if somehow you're listening to this and somehow you find yourself like, wait a minute, I made that album. What the fuck? Please <laughs> let us know. We would love to talk to you. We can yes, call absolutely. you. We just figured out how to get Skype to work yeah, today. We've we'll, we been doing this for three for months. Sure. Awesome. But you know, three months into it, and we get Skype figured out. That's I feel that's progress. Absolutely. So yeah. you know. But yeah. So, so yes, and also if you have list for sophomore albums that you want to throw out as well. That would help us build our list, yeah. I'm sure. No, 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 no. Let's get them to build the uh, freshman, not the freshman, the um, the junior and senior albums because tr- trying those to find those are going to be fourth, the tough ones, yeah, yeah, for sure. But if you have any thoughts on basically this structure, which we're going to run just for the first couple episodes, just get this one off the ground, and then we'll we'll start varying it up a little bit. But I like the idea. We'll stick with sophomore, junior, and senior releases. And then we'll move on from there. But that'll give us a nice solid four to if you set want, the table with, so to speak. If you want a podcast that has a little bit of music in it, go ahead and go to Amazon, hit the click through. Let us get a little bit of that money back so we can buy a decent soundboard to have decent sounding music for you guys. Or you know what? You want to make a donation? Hit us up on an email. We're yeah. not exactly a whole, And you know, as a closer, because I don't know if we mentioned it at the top, we do not own any of the music that you've heard during this cast. We have used snippets. We're not charging anything for this. We encourage you to check out all of these bands. We love all these actually bands. actually spend money on them, preferably, instead of just listening to them on Spotify. I know I advocated for that like five minutes ago. But yeah, go buy an album. Like, go actually buy an album. Oh, and for these bands that yeah. are still currently touring, uh, like All Get Out, for instance, go check them out this summer. I, yeah, we, we should have prefaced this. I own every album that's on this list. I went and bought the CD. Oh, I physically own yeah. all of these as well. Like, yeah, know, none of these yeah, are... We're fans, dude. We, we, we've... Yeah. You know, we've paid it. So if you hear it on here, it came from that album. Absolutely. For this week on The Music Arc, I have been Noah. And I've been Gavin, baby. This has been one rip rocking and rock and rolling time. Just keep on keeping on. Thanks for listening, guys. Let me clear my throat. Kick it over here, baby pop. And let all the fly skimmers feel the beat. Drop. Calling on a corner on a hot summer's day. Just me and my posse and MCA. A lot of beer, a lot of girls, and a lot of cursing. Twenty-two automatic on my person. My fingers are. I'm, I'm, I'm done.